Hey everybody, Alex here, and I'm happy to announce that our community has grown farther and faster than I ever imagined. I'm working every day to constantly improve your experience here, and we have some great things in store for the next few weeks. And even though there are thousands of listeners now, I'm talking to just you right now, and I wanted to say thank you. I'm happy to have you along for this adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By now, you must know the company, the Chinese Tesla company called NIO, right? NIO is a Chinese Tesla. It's a smart, it's a smart car, um, but it's an electric vehicle that is the largest manufacturer of electric vehicles in China right now. And I have a little story. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was in love with this stock, but it was only like 2 or $3 a share. Now, when I say I'm in love with it, I like was researching the company um, I just kept buying options on it, kept buying options on it because I felt like it was, should not have been $2. And I was just waiting for my day. I was waiting for earnings plays, trying to buy an option to play the earnings because I was sure the earnings would be good. And the rumor mill around that time was obviously there was China tension, but there was a problem with their financing. And that was just before the whole luck and coffee thing. So there's a problem with their financing. They were spending so, so much money and they weren't profitable. Now, had I done more research, and I had done a lot of research, but had I done more research on their competitor, Tesla, Tesla went a while before becoming profitable. So my apprehension in purchasing the stock and purchasing multiple and multiple shares because I truly believed in it, that fear, had I done my research on Tesla specifically, would have been balanced out a little bit because Tesla took a long time before it became profitable. And look at the stock now. Neo, after researching the company in the beginning, I was in love with it. I mean, the little robot inside the car, how their batteries work, um, just the, the entire idea of electric vehicles in China with the amount of pollution that they have. It's just, it's just a brilliant, brilliant business model that would just work so perfectly. That's why Tesla was so you know, gung-ho to get over there. So, I mean, we all have, if you're in the stock market, we all have regrets and we all have FOMO. And in my in my story about Neil, I didn't give in to the FOMO and I do have some, some regret now. I mean, I'm happy to know that I was right in believing in them. Uh, as for now, I mean, something else could always turn up. But it makes me happy that I had the foresight to see that this company would be worth something. And now it's worth, you know, upwards of $25, $26 from the $2 when I originally really liked the company. So if you're in a stock market now, I'm not saying jump onto a company just because you like it. The numbers have to make sense. But if you've done a good amount of research and you can locate some competitors to it, and if it's following the same trends or doing better than its competitors were that were um, that came before the stock, if you really believe in it and your heart is in it, then it may be something worth pursuing in the future if you can get a good deal on it. I miss Neo, but I will not miss 
my next opportunity. Now, in this episode, long awaited, we're going to talk about five tax strategies that you should know before this election. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Market Adventures podcast. So, if you haven't already, it's super important to know what tax bracket you are in. Uh, even more so now during the Trump presidency. So if you haven't figured it out yet, it's important for you to find out. But moving forward, the tax implications of this election are going to be very, very important. So really quickly, let me just give you uh, a breakdown. The 10% tax rate is zero to about $10,000 a year. The 12% is about $10,000 to around about $40,000 a year. Again, I'm rounding. 22% is $40,000 to $85,500. 24% is $85,500 to $163,000. 32%, $163,000 to $207,000. 35%, and 37%, the highest tax bracket is $518,000 and above. So find out your tax bracket. Now, reducing your taxable income is really important. So what we just talked about was your taxable income. That's the tax bracket. That's where the tax rate is is applicable to what your taxable income is. The lower you can make your taxable income, the lower you're paying in taxes. The lower your tax bracket can be, potentially. Now, your Roth IRA eligibility is impacted by your taxable income. Your Medicare Part B and Part D premiums, your tax credits, your subsidies, your financial subsidies, your tax credits, your student loan interest, your medical expenses. There's a lot of things that are tied to your tax bracket. So you're going to want to make sure that you do know your tax bracket moving forward. Now, here are five tax strategies that anybody could use that's not just reserved for the rich that you want to know before this election starts. Why? Because these things are, are the least likely to be changed dramatically during this election cycle, should there be a change of hand. Now, if there's no change of hand, it's still important to know these because these are really good strategies. But if there is a change of hand, these will help protect your money in the uh, ensuing months and years as you try to figure out what's going to happen for our system. Now, the number one strategy, maximizing your tax deferred retirement plans. That's putting in as much money as the limit allows into your retirement plans, be it 401ks, simple IRAs, your individual 401k, non-business, whatever. All right, these pre-tax contributions to your employer-sponsored retirement plans will reduce your taxable income for, for that year. Right Now, if you're doing a regular W-2, Making an annual contribution to this retirement plan is the best way to lower your tax bill for the year. Now, yeah, you are putting money away that you can't use, but that money is now safe. It's not being taxed, right? If you're self-employed or you're a business owner, you definitely want to make a contribution to a tax-deferred retirement account like a SEP IRA, a simple IRA, or an individual 401k. Now, Additionally, if you're a business owner, the number two tax strategy is to give yourself a bonus at the end of the year. Now, a lot of people hate when business owners give themselves bonuses, but for you, uh, without considering them, right, for you, it's really good for your, it's really good tax implications because you can maximize 
how much money you can put aside as an employee, right? That bonus at the end of the year, you can dump that into your retirement account. Again, that money gets protected. So you're able to double dip on the retirement savings because as a business, you can put money away by the end of the, for the end of the year. And as an employee, you can put money away at the end of the year. But the employee retirement um, limits for putting money away are much higher. So giving yourself a bonus, taking that money off the business books allows you to report lower earnings as a business. And in addition, it allows you to report report um, lower earnings as an employee because now you're taking that money and you're putting it into a retirement account. The third way, charitable donations. Charitable donations, you can do cash or securities. We'll talk about securities later, but if you're doing cash, if you ever wonder why the rich do so much philanthropy, most of the time they're donating to their own charities, right? So they can still use the money. Um, one term that I learned, which I already knew the the um, the activities were happening, but I didn't know it was an actual term, was dark money. Now, dark money is where um, you have charitable organizations like 401c3 and 41401b um, tax-exempt organizations who are who are using their money for political purposes, but they don't have to report it. So we can find out who whomever is donating to what political campaign because it's all public information. But those charitable don- uh, foundations don't have to report anything. So the, the this dark money concept is that money that's being funded, that's being pumped into political campaigns to sway to sway politics in their favor. We can't see as um, as the public. We don't have access to that because they don't have to report it. I thought it was super interesting, but anyway. Rich people do a lot of donations to charity. Why? Because those donations are all tax deductible. And there's a there's an up, upper bound limit, which I think Trump increased to about 30% or something like that. There's an upper bound limit to which you can um, take off of your taxable income based on your donations. Now, the cool thing about this is those deductions, if you, um, if you donated more then you're able to take off your taxes. That can be rolled rolled forward up to five years. So in the year that you make your most amount of money, you want to donate the most as well. And even if you you overflow a little bit and you can't use all of it, you can use that in another year. Maybe the next year you don't make as much, but you can still claim the deductions from a previous year, which I think is super cool. You can also, which again, this is what the rich do, you can also set up a donor-advised fund which is essentially you're putting that money into this fund and you can deduct it as a donation. Now, the fund is sitting there. You still have control over it because the money hasn't been donated yet. But you can still claim that on your taxes as making a donation. And what you're doing essentially is it's a donor-advised fund, which means that you can donate that money later to causes of to causes that you like to donate to. You can set up grants. Um, I believe you can set up scholarships, too. You can do a lot of things in the future with this money that's just sitting there. And you can also count it as a taxable deduction, right? When you get old and you retire and you're on a fixed income, you can use this this um, donor-advised fund to continue to donate to whatever charities you like, which I think is, again, super cool. And we talk about people... Uh, impacting elections through their funding, this is how. 
if millionaires and billionaires are putting money into this donor advised fund, and then this donor advised fund is now donating to, you know, um, to charitable organizations that don't have to report um, where the money is coming from, now they're able to influence elections without touching their own money. Super cool. And they're getting essentially getting paid for it, right? Because they're taking it off their taxes. So it's it's money that they're moving that they're getting to relieve themselves of being taxed on. Now, the uh, fourth way, health savings account, right? High premium, high deductible health savings account. You have to see if you apply for it first. But they have a triple tax advantage, which means there's there's no tax on the contributions, right? You don't get taxed when you put the money in. There's no tax on any of the money that it earns while it's sitting there, right? No federal tax on investment earnings. And there's no tax when you withdraw the money as long as it's used for qualified medical expenses. So if you're if you're a rich millionaire, if you're a billionaire millionaire and you're rich, again, you don't have to be this rich. I'm saying it's for everybody, but I'm just using it as an example. If you're somebody like Trump, now I'm president, but you're his kind of age and demographic, if you have millions of dollars in this health savings account, not only did you not have to pay taxes on that money, you were able to deduct some of that money off of your taxes, and now you're able to pay your medical expenses with money that has never been taxed before. And on top of that, now this is where it gets really cool, the money that you put into this, when you turn 65, you're allowed to take some of that money and use it for your for non-medical expenses. So once you turn 65, you're able to use some of that money for non-medical expenses. Now, you still have to pay income tax on that, but the, I believe the income tax is based on the tax situation that you're in when you withdraw it, right? Similar to a uh, traditional IRA where you put the money in and then when you take it out, you get taxed based on the current tax laws. Same thing. This HSA, when you put the money in and you take it out, if it's for medical expenses, there's no tax. They can't tax you on that. But if you're using it for non-medical expenses, just regular living expenses, you get ta- taxed an interim tax based on the tax law at that time. But it's still you're still able to put your money aside without getting taxed, which is the which is the, the most important thing because you're saving that money from being taxed, and on top of it, you're dedu- you're deducting some money from your taxable income which the idea is to drop you into a lower tax bracket so you can save more of your money. And the last taxable, uh, the last tax um, strategy you want to know before this election is the tax-free gifts. You can give up to $15,000 to family members, um, next of kin, etc., and you can deduct some of that money um, from your taxes as well, from your taxable income. Again, trying to drop yourself down into a tax bracket. You can use that money to set up a college fund for somebody else. You can pay down a down. You can pay a house down payment for somebody. Maybe your mom or your uncle, your aunt. You can make a, a down payment on their house, and they're essentially getting free money. And you're taking that money. You're deducting it from your taxable income. So it's a win-win situation. You can also, which I found this super cool in the research, you can also make a um, loan to a trust that you set up for somebody. So if you set up a trust for your son or daughter, you can make a loan to that trust and you can watch how the election turns out. Now, if the election turns out in your favor, you can take that money back out of the trust, right? Because it was only a loan. So you can get that money back out of the trust. But if the tax law does not go in your favor and you want to wait another four years or so before you take the money out, 
you can for or or not even take the money out. But if you if you don't if the tax isn't going in your favor based on this election, you can forgive that loan and then write that off on your taxes as a uh, tax free gift. So if you set up a trust fund, you put fifteen thousand dollars in. If say Trump wins again, the tax laws are favorable and they're in your favor. You can now get that money back out, right? You can you can try to you exercise in that loan, or say Biden wins and you don't like the way he's moving tax the tax um, the tax law. You can now forgive that loan and um, write that off on your taxes as making that tax free gift. Now, some honorable mentions that I did not put in this because. They're very, I mean, the tax-free gift thing is, is more um, upper echelon anyway, but these are really like, these are big, big portfolio-type moves. Um, the honorable mentions, rebalancing your portfolio. So you can donate a security. Remember I mentioned before the charitable donations via cash. You can also donate securities like stocks. Um, if one of your stocks um, appreciated by a lot, and you know you're not going to pay a short-term capital gains tax on it, but you might pay a long-term capital capital gains tax. Instead of paying that capital gains tax and reporting it as a um, gain, you can donate that to a charity or a donor-advised fund of your choice, and you can now write that off. Now, rebalance your portfolio. If you're over-leveraged on one side because you know one part of your portfolio did particularly well and another part did really poorly. You can rebalance that by getting, instead of selling those back and paying the capital gains tax on it, instead of selling back a portion of that stock, um, that stock part of your portfolio, you can donate it. So if I have 100 shares of AT&T um, and it's done such and such performance over the years, I can now take, instead of selling half of that to balance my portfolio back, I can donate half of that, balance my portfolio, and in turn, write some off of my taxes. Now, within that rebalance of portfolio is a tax loss harvesting. That's selling a security for a loss. Now, if you are if you've made too much money, you can look at your portfolio and see what has been losing. And instead of holding on to it, you can now sell that security, take the loss, and use that loss and write it off to offset any gains that you made that year, which I think, again, is super, super cool to use your portfolio, something that you essentially have no uh, control over if you end up losing on a particular position. You can now use that losing position to help you lower your taxable income, which, again, is super cool. And uh, the last honorable mention, converting your your traditional retirement account to a Roth IRA. Right now, you would want to do this in combination with something like tax harvesting because there is a there is a sizable um, tax and fee for um, transferring that account for turning it over to a Roth IRA. You have to talk to your financial advisor about that, but you would want to combine that with a tax loss harvesting strategy or something else because you want to offset that that fee that tax you're going to pay with a some kind of loss, right? So all the money you're going to pay and then your losses bring down that money so that you can make that transfer at a relatively um, easier, more comfortable price um, that would make it a worthy, worthy um, transfer. So that's why I said it's an honorable mention. It's not, these are not necessarily things that the average person can do, 
Um, but it is something that is available and it's something that even with a selection that should not be affected uh, really at all. Now, not every strategy that I mentioned will apply to your situation or yield benefits, right? That justify the time, risk and cost. Because as much as we talk about rich people do this, rich people do that, you know, they have it easy. There's a lot that goes into protecting your money, right? Lowering your taxable income, trying to stay in the right tax bracket. There's a lot that goes into it. It takes a lot of work, a lot of lawyers. You're paying a lot of money to make sure these people do this. It's not as easy as people make it seem. So if you're not making, if you're making a, a, a low sum of money, you're not making that much money, you got to make sure that this strategy makes sense based on your life, right? Because it does take some time. It does have some risk. And there's a cost that you have to pay to implement these strategies as well. Now, to, to avoid any unintended consequences, develop your tax planning strategy with a tax and financial advisor, right? Develop it with somebody who's trained in this stuff and explain it to them, these strategies that I mentioned, and they'll tell you essentially what works best with, you, with your finances and your life. And remember, you want to plan for longevity, right? Plan for 10, 15 years out, not just for this election, right? These strategies are election proof, essentially, but you want to plan for longevity, plan for the future, because the future is what really matters. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also write me on Instagram or message the Facebook page at Market Adventures Podcast if you'd like to get in touch with me. I've been your host, Alice Cunningham, and you've been listening to the Market Adventures Podcast.